I came across a, a, a Father's Day prayer that I thought was, was pretty interesting and helpful, at least to, for us to appreciate fathers. And as you can see behind me, uh, that's what our topic is going to be today. The message is just on what does it mean to be a godly father? Really, what we're going to be doing is recognizing the greatest example, and that's our Heavenly Father, um, as, as that ultimate um, example for us. But someone once wrote this in their prayer. They said, mender of toys, leader of boys, changer of fuses, kisser of bruises. Bless him, O Lord. Mover of couches, soother of ouches, pounder of nails, teller of tales. Guard him, O Lord. Hanger of screens, counselor of teens, fixer of bikes, chastiser of tykes. Help him, O Lord. Raker of leaves, cleaner of eaves. Dryer of dishes, fulfiller of wishes. Reward him, O Lord. Maker of sounds, uh, imitator of clowns, master of looks and teller of jokes. Forgive him, O Lord. <laughs> so why do we make such a big fuss over Father's Day? Um, why, why not just say, yeah, he's got responsibilities and that, that, that we're, we're there. And fathers, after all, they're not perfect. And that's true. So why have a big, well, let me say this. I think our society needs to take a break and recognize how important fathers are, especially God fathers are, godly fathers are. In fact, let me give you some reasons why I think it's worth us taking a fuss over, uh, over fathers. First of all, fathers provide a life-shaping imprint in the lives of those that, that he's called to lead. There are a few things that, that imprint our lives, I think, as, as much as fathers do. Now, I realize for some of you, your relationship with your father may not have been that great. For some of you, you may not even have that father influence in your life. You may be an individual who would say, yeah, I can appreciate the impact of fathers because I never had that impact in my life. And maybe you did have a wonderful father that you can echo some of these statements that are here. Studies have shown this, that when fathers are affectionate and supportive, it greatly affects the child's cognitive as well as social uh, development. It also instills an overall sense of their well-being and even their own self-confidence. The simple faithfulness of a father, not being perfect, but just being a godly father. Fathers have the capacity to shape the identity of their sons. You probably know that already. Uh, it's been, the sons see a father as that archetype of, of, that, of, of what it is to be a man. And if the father is a father who is gracious, who's caring, who treats people with respect, the chances are that son is going to grow up carrying the same sort of traits. That's just the frame of reference that he had as he grows up. Fathers have a great imprint. Fathers also have an impact on their daughters, shaping their sense of their femininity as well as their womanhood. If a father is loving, if a father is gentle, if a father is protective, his daughter will see herself worthy of that. And so when she's looking for a husband, she's going to look for those sort of traits that are there. Again, it, it, it even shapes her in her adult life. And that's why I want to say, Ryan, you are perfect because of me. <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, th there are recent studies that have noted this. Uh, in fact, this is a, a, an article that was written called The Science of Dad and the Father Effect. You can see some of the facts that are up here. It says this. It was observed, again, that children have a close relationship with their father figures. When they tend, of those that do have a close relationship, they tend to avoid high-risk behaviors. They're less likely to have sex at a young age. 
They're more likely to have high-paying jobs and, and healthy, stable relationships when they grow up. They also tend to have higher IQ test scores by the age of three and endure fewer psychological problems throughout their lives when dads take the role of the father seriously. Huge impact that fathers have. So it's important for us to take a, take a day like this to give recognition and to reaffirm uh, how important that role is in, in the family unit. So we need to make a fuss. Life-shaping imprint. But not just that fathers offer a life-shaping imprint, but I think fathers also instill a life-leading values within us. Think of this uniqueness. And this applies to all of us. We have our needs and we have our values. The higher the values, the less likely we're going to compromise those values uh, to meet the needs. Too often, here's what happens. We have low values or no values, and whatever those needs are, they, they override those values. So we sin more, we compromise those values because the values either are not clear enough, they're not strong enough, they're not high enough, and so the higher the need, if the needs are higher than the values, we will sin. But if we have higher values, those needs will be held in check. If a father instills high values in that child when they are older, that child is not going to give in to those temptations that perhaps other children have. You'll see a comment that I have up here on the slide. When our children's need come stronger, become stronger than their values, that is when they'll compromise their walk. Yeah, fathers instill life-leading life -leading values. But the third thing why I think it's important for us to fuss over fathers is fathers reflect a life-defining role model. They reflect the life-defining role model. Who is the life-defining role model? Well, that's God. Our fathers are, are, are an image, if you would, a reflection of that perfect God that's there. How important it is. And it, makes, it should make you gentlemen, if you're fathers here or plan on being fathers, it should place on you a sacred mantle of, oh my goodness, if my children really want to know how great God is, how faithful God is, how trusting God is, how trustworthy God is, I'm their first glimpse of that as a father, an earthly father. Not perfect, but, uh, but truly a reflection of that role model. Jesus, I think, gave us a great example of this. In fact, in his prayer, I think it was the greatest prayer in all of history when he gives us the example of how to pray. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. This is a an occasion where it's called the Sermon on the Mount, where this first time Jesus is able to preach to the people publicly. And when he does that, he, um, he shares with, the, with his disciples exactly how to pray. You, you've, many of you probably have memorized this already. But we're going to stop and read not so much the prayer, but read how he describes the Heavenly Father in this. He says, Our Father in Heaven, uh, this, uh, chapter 6, Matthew, verse 9 through 13. If, if you don't have that, we may have it up here. Um, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice what, how Jesus starts off with this prayer. He says, our Father in heaven. You know, he could have said, oh God, as though God, you are the greatest. You're the, you're the most transcendent God there is. And, and that, 
But he doesn't do that. He starts off with simply our father. He, he could have said, oh, king, because after all, he talks about your kingdom come. He could have said, oh, master, because then he later on, he, he says, your will be done. But he says, our father. I hope today, this morning, that you get a glimpse of who your father is, who God is, the God that you claim to follow, if you do. That he is not some transcendent God that's simply out there to say, I hope you can make your way to me, as other religions would suggest. C.S. Lewis, a great writer, a theologian, he says you, th that uh, Christianity is one of the most unique religions in all of history, partly because, as you compare it to other religions, all the other religions, you have to find yourself to God. You journey to God. But in Christianity, God has journeyed to us. God has come to us. Like a good father who doesn't say to the little child who's just born, an infant who crawls and say, would you hurry up and get over here so that you can come and appreciate your father? No, the father goes to that child because he knows the child can't maneuver yet. But God is one who, who, who seeks us. And so Jesus says, hey, call him your father. You have every right to call the creator of the universe your daddy. What's his father like? He says, our father who's in heaven and another word he says, hallowed be your name. Two words, he's our heavenly father, or we could even see it as he's a holy father, which is the word hallowed. Think of these words. Heavenly means he is transcendent. He's way out there, yes. And that's important for you and I to know. Not so way out there that you can't relate to him. He transcends any problem you have. How many of you have problems? Anybody here? One, two, okay, four of you. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and pray for, no. If we're honest, we all have these challenges. We have these problems. We have difficulties. And that's okay because we're supposed to. Jesus said, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise from Jesus. That's one I don't want to ever claim. But he says, but take courage, I've overcome this world. There's a Chinese, Chinese proverb that says, don't go searching, uh, searching for trouble. Be patient, and in time, it will, it will find you. Uh, we're going to have troubles. It's going to happen. But listen carefully. We have a God who is transcendent. It doesn't matter how big that problem is. Our God is bigger. He transcends that. Uh, Walt Kalstad, one of the pastors of one of the largest uh, Lutheran churches in the nation, he said this. He said, if we truly knew how great and transcendent our God was, we wouldn't be running to him and telling him how big our problem is. We'd be running to the problem and telling it how big our God is. How big is your God? Is he a heavenly God? Or is he just a God that is right in the midst of a sinking boat with you? I had the privilege, we, uh, we pastored, one of the churches we pastored, it was in Niagara Falls. There's one occasion that I had to be, what was, was a, the group was called uh, 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 Leadership Niagara. Well, we're leaders throughout, from the, the community of Niagara, gathered together and, and just learned to appreciate the, the community. Well, obviously, one of the tours that we went to, uh, there was about 20 individuals, one of the tours that we went to was the Niagara Falls. How many have been there, Niagara Falls? Uh, all right. Um, here's what I remember, partly. And I, we had gone there many times because, again, we pastored there. But I remember going down you, 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 to go to what's called the Bridal Falls. We went, we went down this... Um, 
It was a sort of a deck, wooden deck kind of stairway that went all the way down where you could appreciate that. Now, understand this uniqueness. We had teachers that were a part of that. We had lawyers that were a part of this, pastors that were a part of this. We even had contractors that were a part of this. And here's how the experience went. I still remember, we were soaked. We had to have these plastic things on because the splash was there. It was intimidating. As we were all going down there, the teacher was asking these questions about how many volumes of water in this, and I'm thinking, who cares? Um, the, the contractor was impressed and, and asking, okay, now how many, how many uh, two-by-fours or four-by-eights are used here? And, and oh, the construction, why didn't they move? And I'm thinking, who cares? The lawyer was worried about all the water and thinking of liabilities. <laughs> this silly pastor was thinking, oh my gosh, this is so intimidating. God, you are great. But let me tell you, while I was sitting there just over, standing there just overwhelmed with this thrust, and you can feel the rushing of the water that's there. I did preach a sermon similar to this where I said, well, right there in the midst, that is overwhelming, kind of like your problems could be. But if you took or went up 500 feet, 500 yards above that, that uh, the Niagara Falls, it no longer looks as intimidating. If you went even further to the space, if to, to, to the atmosphere, all you could, you'd not even see the Niagara Falls. Went even further to the moon. It went past the moon to the sun, beyond the sun to the Milky Way, beyond the Milky Way to the ends of the universe. You wouldn't even see that little thing. Scripture says that all the cosmos is held in God's hands. Well, I'm so overwhelmed by all the, 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 the thrust of this problem, the Niagara Falls. God says, oh yeah, as Isaiah says, that's a drop in the bucket for me. Our heavenly Father, he is transcendent. Uh, Jesus wants to remind us of that as he starts off. But not only is he transcendent, he says that he is holy. Holy means this. Holy means that he is good. Holy means that he is pure. So that means God is not only able to do that, he's heavenly, transcendent, but God is also, uh, he's also good. He can be trusted. All the issues that we hunger for, think of this, and you might find yourself with this. All the issues that we hunger for, identity, security, provisions, protection, affirmation, acceptance, all these things, all these come out of what, what have, has been labeled by psychologists as a father hunger. It's a unique phrase, a father hunger. That there is something within us that hungers when these needs aren't met. And I think that's one of the reasons why sometimes fathers get a, a, a bad rap because we have these needs. Let me say these needs again. Identity, security, provisions, protection, affirmation, acceptance. When fathers can't meet them, it creates a hunger for us. Fathers seem to be now imperfect because they can't meet those. But fathers were not intended to meet those needs. They were to reflect the one who does meet those needs, and that is God. If you are struggling in those needs... It's not going to be by finding relationships here, even with your father. And you might even need to forgive your father for almost demanding that he should have been the one to have met those needs. Our heavenly father is the one who meets those needs. Unless you have trusted him as your heavenly father, unless you have found your identity, your security, your provisions, I think you're always going to have that father hunger. Our heavenly father, I'm sorry, our earthly fathers, they're not perfect. Um, they're not all powerful like our God is. They're, they're not pure and good like our Heavenly Father is. 
But I think what is even cooler is not only that God is heavenly and God is holy. As we read on with Jesus in his prayer, he, he describes God also as, I think, very intimate and involved. Listen to what he says as we continue to read Jesus' prayer. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. In other words, I think Jesus said, Father, in heaven, may your actions and influence come down into our lives, in, in, into our world, and into our hearts. You're out there, yes, God, but we need you here. And God willingly is desiring to be here. I don't think we need to try to usher God in. I think God is already here, hoping that we'd open our eyes to see he's already intimate with us. It's my hope and prayer that each day we eagerly anticipate and experience God intimately. He desires that. In fact, not, not only seeing him as a heavenly father, but as Paul describes it, as our Abba father. Have you ever heard that phrase before, Abba father? It's a nice Hebrew phrase, the word Abba. And it's, it's as primitive as can be. It is, it is a baby who can't even articulate quite yet it's, uh, it, 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 any pronouns or any descriptions or, t or names. It's just Abba. Today, kids might say Papa, might say Dada. Abba means just that. Um, I think that was one of my kids' first words. My wife and I would go back and forth, but I think he said da-da. I think it was just, Bleh. but no, no, I heard it. It was today, we're, you know, Amanda's pregnant. I didn't know if you know that. Was it a secret, sweetheart? <laughs> um, we're now talking about, okay, how, how are they going to call you? What are they going to call you? Papa, Grandpo. I looked, Amanda sent me a whole list of things, and one said, uh, uh, guapo. And I like that because that's Spanish for handsome. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if they'll call me that. Note this. He is not only our heavenly and holy father. He's not only intimate and involved. He's also a provider and protector for you and me. Like a good father, like a godly father, he is a provider and a protector. Listen to what Matthew says in his prayer. Jesus continues and he says, give us this day. Can you see him providing? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now listen to the protector and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I love the song that we sang and I, I have a short memory so I can't remember the exact words of, of, of the, the cup of the devil and we threw it in his face and at least that's how I heard it. Uh, uh, there's, uh, there's something about it. The devil's going to be around. Hard, hard times are going to come but we have a protector that is here. You and I have a heavenly father who is committed in first meeting our needs. Like a good parent, he's not committed to meeting our wants but meaning our needs. And sometimes we get that confused. We have a heavenly father who, who has what it takes to provide for you and me. But question is, do you trust him? He's a provider. He's a protector. Now, let me say this. Even during the dark times, because that's when we begin, we begin to question our heavenly father. When things are dark and you can't quite see what he's doing, or when you see things and it doesn't seem like God is doing what he ought to be doing, we feel as perhaps God has turned his back on us or God has pulled the rug out from under us. What are you doing, God? And not realizing that God sees things different than we see things. And he's a good God. He promises to protect you and to provide for you. There's a, 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 a story with um, the kids. What's funny is I couldn't remember which child it was. And uh, this couple of days ago, they clarified it for me. My wife kind of clarified a few more details that I had made up. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
My daughter, Amanda, when she was maybe about a few weeks old, little tiny fragile baby, uh, she was sick. She had uh, like a flu or something in her throat, in her, in her lungs. So we took her to the doctors and, and what they did is they, they needed to take x-rays of her small little infant body. And I don't know if you know how they take x-rays of little infant children. It's barbaric. It's weird. Um, they, have, they have sort of a, a saddle that they put the little child in. Get just kind of saddling it, kind of bracing the child. And then there's these, these two little walls, and my wife clarified for me, that it's kind of cylindrical walls uh, uh, that they'll just squeeze. So little tiny hands, and she's got it raised up like this, and it's squeezing it together. It looks like a torture rack or something. But here's what was, as I was watching this take place, I still remember little Amanda, the baby Amanda, looks me in the eye. I know that her mind wasn't developed enough, but I thought this was the case. Looked me in the eyes and almost was saying, Daddy, how could you do this? How could you do this to me? And so my natural, because I'm such a good father, my natural response was, oh, no, sweetheart. No, it's okay. Daddy's here. And the nurse, the audacity of that nurse, she said, no, no, let her cry. Let her cry. I wanted to punch her right there in the throat. let her cry. No, no, they said, because as she cries, she breathes in, expands her diaphragm, and boom, that's when we take the x-ray. So we need her to cry. So I'm thinking, cry, baby, cry. <laughs> Sometimes we're like that little baby. It says, I don't get this, God. It seems as though you're hurting me, God. And God says, I, I know you're going through this. I know it's painful. I know you don't understand why, but can you trust me? A dear saint once put this, said this challenge, can, can God trust you to trust him? Maybe that's his question for you today. As a heavenly father, I don't know what's going on, God, but I do know you're a provider and you are truly a protector. Matthew, Jesus says this, continuing on in his, in his, uh, in his sermon in uh, chapter 6, verse 31. He says, therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need them all. Listen carefully, though. God is not only a provider of our daily bread, but he also provides us in the midst of our daily sin. Did you read this? He says, forgive us. He says, give us our bread. But he also says, forgive us our, our, our debts. The word debt is a kind of a Hebrew picture that is not, not necessarily like we would see it. We think of a debt as I owe somebody something. A debt can also be I have sinned against someone and I'm, in, I'm, in, uh, I'm obligated now to make up for that as I would be obligated of some sort of other debt. Our God doesn't just give, he also forgives. Sometimes that's hard for fathers to do, earthly fathers to do. And if your father was not faithful in that, hear me. Our father is eager to forgive. So eager, he sent his son to make sure that it was going to be done for us. All we have to do is ask, he says. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, you probably know this verse. For the wages of sin, it's death. Uh, but the gift of God is, is, uh, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Final portion of his prayer, Jesus' prayer. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's the truth that God provides for us. So one of the strongest instincts I think that we men have is that we are protectors. Did you, ever, have you, did you hear the news 
well, months ago when Russia had invaded uh, Ukraine initially. When there was an evacuation in Ukraine, it was very clear. Women and children leave the country, but the men, you stay behind. It was the law that they had, but it wasn't as though men were trying to get out of that law. They were eager. It was within them to protect. I joke about, about it with my wife. That if it's three in the morning and we're in bed, woken up by a noise, I am not going to say, ah, go get the bat and go see what there, what's there. Uh, she would be saying that to me although she's got the gun, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> we are within us, sort of that knight in shining armor. There's something fulfilling about us taking care of fighting the dragon. That's, I think, an instilled from God, a picture for you and I to see that's how eager God is to fight for us, to protect us. Hollywood and others want to paint Satan as so intimidating He's scared to death when he's compared to how great and powerful our protector is. Our Heavenly Father is a perfect example, I think, of this. In fact, so much so, here's what Paul says. He says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Why? Because we have a father who is heavenly, means he's transcendent, and he's holy. He can be trusted. He's intimate and he's involved. That means he personally cares for you and me. And he demonstrates that care by providing and, for, and protecting you and me. For some of us here today, though, we may not have an earthly father or father figure um, that we can honor in this way. But to make no mistakes, friends, there is a divine father who loves you, who's done everything he can to make sure you're going to be taken care of. Question is, do you have a father hunger? Is there something, a hunger within you that you're trying to find it fulfilled somewhere else where only the father can feel? What is it? Can you trust him for it? Uh, Ernest Hemingway wrote... Um, um, world of peace. It was called the capital of the world. And in it, he shares a story of, of a family from Spain in Madrid. And in it, there was a father and son um, that were, were in an argument together. There's a dispute that took place. And so the, at a rebelliousness, the son said, forget it, I'm out of here. Father was broken over his departure. The father looked, searched, did everything he could to try to find his son and with, 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 with no success. Finally, the father says, here's what I'm, I'm going to go to the paper and I'm going to put out an ad. And, and, and here's what the simple statement was of the ad. Dear Paco, please meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. Love, Father. Uh, Hemingway says, as he, as he continues to write, he says that very next day the father went to the, the newspaper uh, uh, office to find that there were 800 Pacos that were there who were hungering for father, hoping that that would be their father, they would be the Paco. I'm wondering if you've been searching again and maybe given up searching I don't want you to walk away from this place knowing that your heavenly father, had, he may not have written an ad, 
But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross so that you can be a part of his family. So the needs that are there, the wants, the hurts that are there, we can be knocked down, but we will not be destroyed. He promises protection, healing. There's so many gifts and protection and provision that God gives us. It's yours. It's ours. We can just trust him. Can you hear him this morning? Let me share one quick story, one story, and then I'll, I want us to close in prayer. Another story with uh, my family. Um, when they were little, we did uh, family devotions. Every Thursday, we'd have these silly events or activities, and then we have uh, some sort of um, application to the activity. Well, one thing we did is I had them, uh, I had Amanda, I blindfolded Amanda, and I told them, all right, here's what you need to do. I had this nice-looking Snickers bar. I said, I'm going to put this Snickers bar somewhere in the house. And if you find it, it's yours. But you're blindfolded. But it's, no, that shouldn't be a problem, I said, because all you have to do is listen to my instruction. If you just listen to me, I will guide you to where the, uh, the candy bar is. I said, but understand this. Your brother and your mom... They're going to play the bad guys. <laughs> They're going to be throwing out other words to you. They're going to be trying to intimidate you and scare you and yell at you and try to overwhelm um, you. And I still remember she's going through. And I, I have a feeling what was happening is she could, it, with her eyes closed, envision, okay, I know I'm over here at the house. Okay, now I know I'm over here at the house. Okay, now. But there came a point where in our front uh, doorway, it went from carpet to tile. And I remember she was just, and I kept telling her, you're, you're almost there. So, and they're yelling even more because they could see the candy bars right there. And so she took that step from carpet to tile and fear came upon. Her lips started quivering. And I said, sweetie, you're, you're almost, all you have to do is just reach out. Just, just trust me. And as I was doing that, those ornery folks, they were yelling even more, trying to discourage her from doing that. And she finally reached out, grabbed it. I still remember. She grabbed it, yanked that uh, mask off, and she just almost started crying, I think, almost, because of the thrill. I trusted, and I got some of you have been blindfolded and you're even trying to second guess God. Can you trust your heavenly father? He's done everything. He's faithful. He's good. He's transcendent. But we just need to trust him. If you're questioning it, then you need to simply look at the cross. For God so loved us that he sent Jesus 